You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Your first time being around. Doing great. Just smile, Loretta, so you don't look like you're being held up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Hacking Humans podcast, an occasional series we call Hacking Humans Goes to the Movies. I'm Dave Bittner, and I'm joined by my CyberWire colleague, Rick Howard. Hey, Rick. Hey, Dave. How are you? Doing well, doing well. On this show, Rick and I look at some of our favorite clips from cinema and television, clips that demonstrate some of the scams and schemes Joe Kerrigan and I talk about on Hacking Humans. We've got some good clips to share, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message from our show sponsor. All right, Rick, I'm going to kick things off for us this week, and I have a good clip, if I do say so myself. <laughs> this, is from, this is from the 1998 crime comedy movie Out of Sight, which was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Do you, do you know this one? Oh, absolutely. One of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. So this film uh, stars George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. I will now, say a young George Clooney when I saw the clip today, right? Yeah. He looks very young here. Yeah, 25 yeah. years ago, right? <laughs> but I got to say, I mean, is there more star power on a screen than George no. Clooney and Jennifer Lopez? No. It was just, Maybe it just George radiates. Clooney and Julia Roberts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but uh, so this film received Academy Award nominations for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Film Editing. So we're talking about a quality flick mm-hmm. here. Uh, Clooney plays career bank robber Jack Foley. And Jennifer Lopez is a U.S. marshal named Karen Sisko. Uh, and the story is that uh, Jack Foley escapes from a Florida prison uh, with the help of his right-hand man, Buddy. And uh, during their getaway, Jack and his friends uh, head north to Bloomfield Hills to visit a shady businessman uh, who has a diamond stash. And at the same time, this U.S. marshal is chasing Jack. Uh, It's unclear whether she's pursuing him to arrest him or because she loves him. So there's that kind of a... (laughs) You know, because I I run into that obstacle like every other week, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, But meanwhile, there is a vicious criminal and his crew who are also looking to rob uh, the mansion of the character Ripley, who has the diamond stash. And so Mm -hmm. the story follows that chase and, and eventually... Uh, leading up to the robbery. Now, the scene that I'm sharing today is part of the opener of the film. We see Clooney. He's in the lobby of a bank. And this is a fairly big bank. I would say this is one of those big city bank lobbies. High ceilings, lots of room, really airy. uh, Has a feeling of permanence, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There are tellers off... Yeah, you feel like lots of money is stuffed somewhere behind the vault somewhere. Yeah, right, Something right. Like you that. know, marble yeah. walls, wood, <laughs> you know, all, all that good stuff. People in suits. Um, <laughs> so the tellers are off to one side, and uh, Clo- when the scene opens, Clooney is standing at that that little desk that most banks have, where you can get your deposit slips or you know fill out any paperwork you need to do before you visit the teller. And he's sort of nervously playing with a Zippo lighter. I know, that was annoying me, too. It's like, what is he doing? Okay, that surely that was yeah. drawing attention. That's what I was thinking, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's just, I think it's a nervous tick. Yeah, um, yeah. But, so you'll hear that in, in the scene. That's what the sort of the, the clicky, clinking kind of sound is. Um, other things to know before we start this, um, there's a bank executive's desk on the floor of the lobby. And as the scene opens, Clooney is watching that executive who's having a meeting with another businessman. 
um, who's sitting across from the desk and, and has a briefcase sitting on the floor next to him, and the briefcase is open. So and, Clooney— and I, Go ahead. Yeah, and I think it's—we it's, uh, want to make it clear that Clooney doesn't know that guy at all. He just happened to notice the situation. Right, right. And so Clooney watches these two men doing their business for a beat, and then he heads up to the counter and engages one of the tellers. So let's check out the clip. Here's that annoying sound. Playing with the lighter. You know, yeah. Watching the two men doing business. Boy, there's that young handsome. face. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is a handsome man. So he heads over to the tellers. It's like it may be the, you know, mid-afternoon. The bank's not terribly crowded. Doesn't seem like they're dealing with a lunchtime rush. And he steps up to engage with the teller. How can I help you, sir? Really? See the man talking to your bank manager has his case open. Oh, that's Mr. Gwyndon, one of our assistant managers. Our manager is Mr. Schoenbett. He's not in today. But you see the man with the briefcase? Yes. That's my partner. He has a gun in there. And if you don't do exactly what I tell you, or if you give me any kind of a problem at all, I'm going to look over at my partner, and he's going to shoot your Mr. Gwyndon between the eyes. That can't be good. And then he gives him that, gives her that smile. Oh, my. <laughs> take one of those big envelopes and put as many hundreds, fifties, and twenties as you can pack into it. Nothing with bank straps or rubber bands. I don't want any die packs. I don't want any bait money. Start with the second drawer and then the one over there underneath the money counter. Okay. It's okay. Come on, Loretta. The key's right there next to you. There you go. And he just looks at her like this is all a normal nine-to-five kind of thing that tellers do every day. Mm-hmm. He's taking the money out of the drawer. Is it your first time being around? You're not doing great. Just smile, Loretta, so you don't look like you're being held up. You got a very pretty smile. The 20 through the 20s, I'll take those. There you go. You put those in my pocket. Give my partner a sign, and that's good. Now he's going to wait 30 seconds until I'm out of the building. Make sure you haven't set off the alarm. If you have, he's going to shoot you, Mr. Gwendon, between the eyes. Okay. Uh, I think that'll do it, Loretta. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. <laughs> she says you too. <laughs> he heads over to the desk with the two businessmen. Hey. She's cute, isn't she? Yeah. She seems very nice. Of course, they have no idea who he is. Right? Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> All right. Where do we begin here, Rick? I mean, I we we've already mentioned the undeniable star power of George Clooney, and if you want to have someone pulling off a bank robbery and using charm, you can do no no better than George yeah, Clooney, right? He's the guy. He's the guy you want, right, to do that. Yeah. And and the thing that strikes me about this clip, Dave, is um, the audacity of it, right? Because mm-hmm. he's on his own. There is no net. If anything goes wrong, he's caught, right? But here he is. Right. He jumps right in, and he controls the situation. And it's, uh, it is really a master class in social engineering. Yeah. He has no gun, right? No he, gun. He's, there's no, there is no physical threat to the teller. In fact, the physical threat is to her coworker, on the other side of the bank lobby. 
which isn't real, right? Right. Right. There's, right. there's no gun there either, right? So no, no. <laughs> and the whole time he's smiling at her. He is cool as a cucumber. He manages to put her at ease, right? To I yeah, mean, a to couple the of times, right? Because yeah. you can see she's about ready to spin out of control, and he calms her down, right? So mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Nice work. And then he tells her to have a nice day. And she says, you too. (laughs) Just a nice little button on the end there. (laughs) Well, it's just really straightforward social engineering. It's it's the boldness of walking into a place like you own the place and nobody questioning that. The only thing I can see that's wrong with the scam is that he is there. First, uh, I think we mentioned he's dressed to the nines, right? He's got a... Mm. Fantastic suit, uh, but he is not covering at all. So if there are any cameras, he's totally nailed. Am I wrong about that? Or no, it, no, it, you're right. He's on a bunch of cameras, um, especially in yeah. that place, right? Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what the the whole plan would be here, but uh, you know, he is a he is a bank robber, so he's done this before. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And um, he's so just escaped he's... from prison. So his, you know, his photos are going to be everywhere. So I guess this right. is just running cash, you know, uh, and he, you know, I, he's not going to stick around town, I'm guessing. So no, no, anyway. no. And yeah. I mean, what, let's say he gets, I don't know, 10, 10 grand or something like that out of this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe that's enough to, you know, head, head South and start a new life for himself. Having just gotten out of prison. Maybe that's the plan. Audacity. That's what I'm going yeah. to. Right. Yeah. Audacity. Of course it, it doesn't work out, and the rest of the movie goes <laughs> from here. Goes south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a hurry. Uh, all right. Well, again, that is from the movie Out of Sight. Uh, definitely worth checking out, uh, if for no other reason than the star power of uh, George uh-huh. Clooney making its way through the screen. <laughs> That's my clip this time. Uh, what do you have for us, Rick? So my clip this week is from one of my all-time favorite heist movies, Dave. It's uh, 1999's The Thomas Crown Affair. Have you mm. watched this one before? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's directed by John McTiernan, and he's most known for The Predator and Die Hard and The Hunt for Red October. And it stars Pierce Brosnan in the middle of his James Bond run and yeah. Rene Russo, probably best known for the Lethal Weapons movies and Get Shorty and my personal favorite, he plays Thor's mo- or she plays Thor's mom in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So right. she's got that going for her. <laughs> right. right. So Brosnan plays a self-made millionaire, Thomas Crown, who is bored with his success. And to keep himself amused, he steals priceless masterpieces of art. And in this opening scene, he is stealing a Claude Monet from the M- Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And we have background music here from the famous Bill Conti, who's responsible for the soundtracks of all the Rocky movies and mm. countless Academy Award shows. And in the opening scene, you see Brosnan strolling the hallways of the museum exhibits. He is immaculately dressed, as well-dressed as George Clooney was in the last clip we just saw, right? He, it's not better, he, yeah. Even better, right? He's got a gray suit and a vest, an impeccable tie, a bright white dress shirt, and and how do I say this, Dave? He is James Bond handsome. You know, yeah. Right? Because no, he true. just is. It's true. And, yeah. And you can tell right away that Brosnan is a regular museum visitor. I mean, you know, he knows all the security staff by their first names, but he is a bit miffed because his favorite gallery, the Impressionist Gallery, is closed for cleaning. 
So he runs into one of the senior security guards, Bobby, and dressed in a security guard uniform. Those guys are wearing maroon jackets, gray pants, matching tie, and Brazen's complaining. So let's start the tape there. All right. Been evicted. What do you mean? The Impressionist gallery. Closed for cleaning. Cleaning? Yeah. So Bobby thinks that's odd. Hey, Dad. Let me a hand here for a minute. Currently. So the scene shifts to inside of the Impressionist Gallery. We see a couple of ethnic-looking guards shooing customers out of the room. One of them is pulls out a walkie-talkie and issues instructions in a language that is not English. Mm. And at this point, Bobby arrives with his two guys. What do you think you're doing? Yes. What? Upstairs. Clearly, he can't speak English. They've got some VIPs coming through. I didn't hear about it. I oversee this section. Call upstairs if you like. No. You're right. They've been having people down here all week. So Bobby turns away and notices a spinning shadow beaming down from the ceiling skylight that looks like helicopter blades. Mm. And Bobby pulls out and extends his stun wand and attacks the guards. And the scene shifts to outside the gallery again where Brosnan is sitting reading the paper and see the bad guys running out of the room towards Brosnan. He sticks his foot out and trips one of them and they go to the ground and the guards subdue some of the bad guys and hit the alarm button. So now steel reinforced doors start to close from the ceiling and this is Brosnan's moment as the crowd and the guards are busy. Brosnan drops to his knees and rolls into the gallery before the still gate hits the floor. Now he's in the gallery by himself. He jogs into the room where the Monet is hanging on the wall, puts on rubber gloves, yanks the painting off the wall, pulls the canvas out of the frame, and grabs his briefcase that he had stashed under the bench before the chaos. The case is perfectly designed to contain the exact proportions of the canvas, and he sprints back to the steel gate, and we notice that it hasn't closed all the way. It is stuck at about knee level to Brosnan. Brosnan rolls through the gate again and the camera notices another briefcase wedged into the opening between the floor and steel gate. Brosnan stands up and casually walks out of the museum with his briefcase in hand, the case that contains the Monet. Meanwhile, the guards round up all the remaining bad guys. And as Brosnan catches the taxi outside, the music fades into the classic song, Sinner Man, sung by the indomitable Nina Simone. Oh, yeah. Dave, start to finish, that was three minutes and 21 seconds. And I'm going to say right here, I'm going to die on this hillside. It is my (laughs) Mount Rushmore of the perfect heist scene. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I can't disagree with you. Uh, it is certainly exciting, well executed, well planned, well shot, all that kind of stuff, well acted. Um, you so want to unpack question, it for us? What, what are the well, different elements here? Well, I think the thing that people uh, would want to dive into is what was going on with the briefcases. All right. So we noticed that he, he remember, he rolls into the Impressionist Gallery as the steel gates come down. Right. He, he magically appears a briefcase. Where did that come from? Mm. And when you watch the rest of the movie, you know that he came in beforehand and the briefcase is designed to be the exact right size as the sitting stool 
inside the gallery. So he places it underneath the stool, and it looks like a third leg to a two-legged stool. So nobody notices it when he walks away, right? Interesting, yeah. So that's one thing that he does. But then as he's running out after he's got the painting, right, with his briefcase in hand now, we see a second briefcase, identical, that's sitting on the floor and holding the gate open so he can escape, all right? And the question that the cops have to answer is, where did that briefcase come from? Right. Any, any clues there? Uh, no, that was a question I had. I, I Well, so I had that question... Uh, I wonder if uh, museums actually have big steel doors that slowly drop down. Uh, but, I, but I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for that for the purposes of the movie. But then I wondered if that was a big steel door that slowly drops down. That must be one heck of a brief reinforced briefcase to be able to hold it up. It totally is, right? When in the when we watch the rest of the movie, you see that that particular briefcase was reinforced like titanium or something like that. So ah. it was built in particular uh, to hold that gate open. And Brosnan, because he was a regular coming into the museum sometime before, he stuck that briefcase underneath that stool again as a third leg and let it sit there, and nobody noticed it for and for the until the next day. Right. So that's mm. how he did the the juggling of all that. And you were talking about, is that a real thing or not? Uh, uh, remember when Bobby pulls out his uh, shocking wand and hits the guards? Right. That was, that's a completely made-up thing they made up for the movie. I had to look that uh. up. <laughs> so the other thing I wonder is, is just sort of the setup for this. Like, because uh, Pierce Brosnan's character is pulling all the strings here, right? Mm -hmm. So are the fake guards and the helicopter— all just misdirection? They're folks under that he hired? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's completely a misdirection that he funded. He financed that heist knowing that he wanted them to fail, all right, and knew exactly how to make them fail, uh, you know, when he was involved with it, right? And so, so he paid for that whole thing just so he can run out with the Monet on his own. So it's a double cross. It is. <laughs> it is a fantastic movie. It is a fan, and that's just the high scene. The rest of the movie is a cat and mouse as uh, Rene Rousseau, who plays an insurance agent, uh, uh, tries to track him down and, 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 um, and learn that he really was the burglar and not somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sure do like uh, Pierce Brosnan. I, I've been a fan of his ever since the Remington Steel days. Oh, do you remember me that too. show? Yeah. Yeah, and I was excited you know? when he was the James Bond, right? The, well, uh, right, right. I mean, when he was yeah. doing Remington Steel, it felt like he was the obvious heir apparent to James Bond. Mm -hmm. And then when the time came, they wouldn't let him out of his Remington Steel I contract remember, yeah. to be James Bond. So it took a few more years till he got his shot at it. And I thought he was a solid James Bond. He was my favorite James Bond until Daniel Craig came along, right? And then mm. he took him off the board for me. But he was my he was my James Bond out of all of them. Yeah, yeah, he sure looks the part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that is the Thomas Crown Affair, and we will have a link to Rick's clip here in the show notes. That is our show. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Rick Howard. Thanks for listening. <laughs>